my name's Terry Waller. I'm here at Yamundi, up at the Pavilion Markets, that runs every Wednesday, Friday and Saturday, but mostly it's uh, Wednesdays and Saturdays. I'm sitting at the Deadly Espresso Bush Tucker Cafe, that is part of the um, Sevgen Indigenous Corporation's social enterprise. Can you just elaborate on what Sevgen is and tell us a little bit more about your involvement in it? Sevgen is a charity and the heart of the charity is education but we're standing for a different kind of education. One that is based on letting Dreamtime dictate what we learn about, not the structures of society or, or government so to speak. So the different education is called flow education. It is based on a psychology theory called flow theory. But because the education is so different, we knew that we had to have some way of supporting that different education that wouldn't be funded through government because it is about not following a curriculum. You know, there's no scope or sequence to it really. It is just uh, finding out what that person is passionate about and then developing their own curriculum around it. So we call the approach PAPA, play autonomously in your passion with purpose always. And that's the heart of Sevgen. But because we needed some way to support that, we came up with the three model. We wanted to be an enterprise funded activity or an enterprise funded concept. We endeavor to develop social enterprises all of the social enterprises, obviously, because it's a not-for-profit, are not for dividends. So all of the money that we make from it goes back into the organisation to fund our activities that we do. And because we were standing for a different education, the pathway, I suppose, we had to think, a lot of people would say, say to me, well, OK, if it's OK to learn things around something that you're passionate about but what are you going to do with that you know what's going to be the vocational end so on thinking about that the 30 was born which is cultural and creative entrepreneurship so the three model is social enterprise supporting a different education which ignites cultural and creative entrepreneurship so that's the organization and it started with recognising that youth in particular were in need of, of something like this, but how did you actually then implement it and, and get something like that going? It was more than just the youth of today, it's an intergenerational story of not being serviced well by a mainstream education, I guess. How did we get it going? It, it got going because of the suspension rates in schools. When you look at the data that we looked at in our area, I think we were look at, looked at it from 2008, I think, we looked at the data, right up until 2011, 2012, and 50% of those were Indigenous suspensions. That just wasn't good enough. When you looked at the incidences of suspension, it was the demographic was Indigenous, non-Indigenous, Indigenous, Indigenous, non-Indigenous, Indigenous, non-Indigenous and considering that here on the Sunshine Coast um, we're only 1.6% of the population that was unacceptable and so when talking to a school about it the deputy principal said to me well Terry do you have a solution and I said uh, well yes in fact I do <laughs> this was the Monday he said we're meeting on Wednesday do you think you could get something to me so that we could have a look at this um, solution that you have and I said yeah sure and that's where I 
put together and proposed the Lifter Drifter program, we used to call it Lifter Drifter, which is where young people come to us in the last two weeks of their school term instead of escalating to suspension and then getting the phone call at home that your child's been suspended and then you know the disappointment and the and the stress at home you know when you get that phone call and then going into into the holidays in a down state and starting the next term in a you know in that same uh, negative space instead of coming to the lifter drifter program and it was it just flipped everything on its head and yeah it was really good that's how it started <laughs> and with the lifter drifter program it was really a different form of education when you, you were saying earlier that a lot of the children that were involved in that or a lot of the, the participants would do more work in that two weeks than they would have done throughout the whole term or possibly even a year. Yeah, that's it. The learning projects that we would develop were called passion projects. Uh, passion learning projects. Once they're motivated around something that they're passionate about and excited about, it's enjoyable, effortless learning and they just, just don't stop. It just constantly working on what they want to learn about. And so then we would also map those outcomes across to, to the scope and sequence at school and we would show them very clearly what they were learning and, and they actually in fact were doing rigorous learning. And it was a lovely surprise for them, yeah. And also you said that this project took you or you were invited out to more remote communities where schools were actually closing down. So rather than trying to find a solution to encourage children to remain in schools, instead the government chose to actually close those schools. So the future of children's education is pretty much was stopped, wasn't it? Uh, well, this is still a, an unfolding story, so it's a it's a long story, really. We don't even know how this is going to unfold. It's called the Modern Songlines Project, and it's still an unfolding story. But to go back to your what you were saying, yes, um, the success of the Lifter Drifter program was talked about in an Indigenous education conference in Darwin, and one of the youth workers who worked out at the Central Desert was in a conversation about Sevgen and the Lifter Drifter program and learning choices and alternative education. And a friend of mine who was up at the conference said, oh, you should contact Terry about this. So she did and we had a conversation and we imagined where it could go and then we organised for me to go out to the Central Desert and meet the elders and see if what I was imagining could be felt when I was actually out there. It went beyond what I could have imagined. It was just awesome and we were very excited about it. Both the Yapa in the Central Desert and our small team back here were very excited about having Central Desert young people whose secondary schools were closed to come this way and have a little look around and to see what it might be like to do some learning um, over with us. Uh, so Sunshine Coast was holding one end of the song line and the um, Central Desert was holding the other end of the song line. And so, yeah, like I said, it's an unfolding thing. It did take a little bit of a turn, which it's okay. The core of it is still ways that the young people can learn when they're not actually right in their homelands. But because we're developing a, a song line, they're very comfortable that they actually are still, you know, they're still connected to their country through this song line. They're not just removed and there's no connection. So the children come to Yumundi to continue their learning. What is it that you do with the children once they're here? And is this cafe that we're sitting in, which is clearly a beautiful hub of culture, is this part of what the children are, are a part of? 
Yeah, it really is. We've only just had the cafe, so the Central Desert people actually haven't seen us operating the cafe yet, but they know about it because they were part of Yamundi before we got the cafe. And every time I talk to them, it's like, oh, yeah, the cafe's going good. And they, they know that this resource is part of that dreaming story as well. So they're all very excited about it. And when we do get another little mob, yes, they will definitely be an integral part of the cafe. Can you tell us a little bit more just about the here and now? Here we are sitting in this beautiful environment. Really, it's just a breath of fresh air from the busyness as well of what's going on at the markets here because it's a pumping market. I walked up and what caught my eye was free bush tucker cookie with every coffee. And although I'm not usually a coffee drinker, I thought... I've got to go and check out what's the bush tucker. And when I walked up, I was so pleasantly surprised to find this up here. Just tell us how it came to be up here because it, you've kind of moved around a little bit in New Monday, haven't you? And what operates from here? Oh, I always say, oh gosh, ask Dreamtime. I don't really know. <laughs> what does Dreamtime mean to awaken here? I, I, you know, I'm just following, like you said, you know, you've been doing this for 10 years and you're follow, you just follow your intuition well. We know the vision of what we want to do, but we don't exactly know the tactics, you know, the, the little bits and pieces. So we just follow what is coming to us and plug it back to the vision. And if it is a good fit for it, then we'll just follow that. So we find ourselves here at the cafe, partly because of the markets, because uh, there's 1.6 million people that come through this market every year. It's a wonderful platform for community awareness. And so, you know, we thought, right, this is, a, this is a great opportunity. What better way to grow community awareness than through conversation? So it's like a conversation cafe. And it's our socio-cultural kind of like activity in, um, in, that, in this 3E model. So this is part of the Sunshine Coast 3E project, because this is a worldwide model, mind you. So this is the Sunshine Coast version. And we use the cafe, you know, once we found out that we had the opportunity to get the cafe, how the resource would be used, the story started to unfold. But we use it as a way to, I say, get people ready for life again. You know, so people who are long-term unemployed, young people who are experiencing school refusal, uh, young people who are getting that downward spiral again into the school environment, not serving them very well. And more recently, the post-incarceration story that I told you about earlier. So this is our socio-cultural area where we just get people ready for life again. And you do that through the beautiful medium of food, really, <laughs> don't you? Oh, that's, that's the way, isn't it? Yeah, the kitchen is the hub. We do. When I walked up, you were experimenting, I think, with something in the kitchen. And is this the brownie here, the results of that? Oh, no, that one's not. That's our bush tucker biscotti. What we're playing with there is because winter's coming up, so we're, we're thinking about something we can do in winter. So we're doing a uh, easy peasy bush tucker lentils that's going to go with a damper or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> what other kinds of things do you have on the menu here? Everything we do, we try and infuse bush tucker flavours. It's, it's the cafe's way of celebrating country. The supplies of bush tucker ingredients is a growing market as well. So it's difficult to have a you know full-on bush tucker menu. Um, but the menu items that we do have, we infuse it with bush tucker. So we'll have a, you know the the bush tucker spices of um, strawberry gum or uh, mountain pepper or 
lemon pepper, lemon myrtle, aniseed myrtle. Yeah, I can't even think of the spices now, but all the spices that we have, uh, and we infuse those into things like lentils. We infuse it into things like roast vegetables with the quinoa salad. So we'll, we'll make sure that the roast vegetables have all the bush tucker spices in it. Eggs Benedict has a lemon myrtle hollandaise at the Bush Tucker Cafe yeah, at, at Deadly Espresso. It has um, a lemon myrtle hollandaise instead of just normal hollandaise. So yeah, we just infuse our menu with all the Bush Tucker spices. Our cookies that you're, you're having at the moment is lemon myrtle macadamia and white chocolate cookie. Which is quite delicious. You've got a lot of projects on the go to do with this hub. But one of those is a crowdfunding project that's happening. Can you sort of want to tell us a little bit more about, about that project? Oh, I would love to. The dream of the organisation, we, when we first started envisioning the, the organisation and we did a workshop around what it would be, we asked the big overarching question that we had on the top was, can we do this without government? because of the funding is, is, was getting less and less. and So we knew that wasn't a very wise thing to chase funding for us, especially being so different. And at the time, you know, I said, we have the oldest culture on earth and when it's valued, it is top shelf stuff. We would love what we're doing and what we're standing for to be a crowdfunded concept. And I know everybody's chasing this, but this really is a deep kind of like desire of ours to have a, um, you know, have friends of Sevgen that donate, you know, regularly $5 a week into the organisation so that we can keep doing the things that we're doing. But every now and then we'll, we will concentrate on a campaign and we will do a campaign. This, this cafe was crowdfunded, so this was a crowdfunded campaign and we, we were able to purchase the cafe. So this latest one that we're doing is a, our social housing project and we have this idea that we want to want our social housing project to be a cluster model and so we're working now towards our very first house in that cluster that will be used for accommodation for things like the Modern Songlines project. It'll be used for accommodation for our people who are who are due for parole and don't have any suitable accommodation to put down on their application. So we would like to use some of the houses in that in our cluster for that as well. The very first house that we've got at the moment has been, I, I would say, gifted to us from a, a Noosa couple who really love the work that we're doing and have been supporting us for a few years now and have offered us their house as the first house of at this cluster model. They're a young family, they have needs, and so we're aiming to purchase the house at a reasonable market value. But the gift that they're giving us is time to make this happen for ourselves and for the organisation. We're trying to raise the deposit that is needed to secure the house for five years where we can demonstrate the methodologies and the concept of um, the, the housing cluster, which we're calling our Kanyini. So we're doing the crowdfunding through Bendigo Bank. So Bendigo Bank have been really wonderful and have accepted our project onto their platform and, and will contribute to the crowdfunding too. It's ambitious, but that's our need. $50,000 as a deposit, which will come off the purchase price of the house in the end. We need um, 1,000 people to put $50 each in or 10,000 people to put $5 each in. And we have the population, we have the numbers, 
we just need the uh, we just need the commitment from spontaneous spirit investors. <laughs> and what land are we on here? This is Cubby Cubby Country. Where do you find most of your support comes from, even previously to fund the cafe? Is it local or is it all across Australia? Or is it outside of Australia? It's local. It's a location-based initiative too, and, and the model works on um, location and relationship principles, I suppose. So our support comes from our local community. So within this beautiful community, how many people are involved in running the cafe and, and being here on a regular basis? And does that change, or are these people quite involved and want to be for the foreseeable future? Yeah, well, we have the core team. A core team of drivers which is myself <laughs> and Liz has been here from the very beginning too and then once we had something to share with people then we've had a slow intake of people and I'd say now we have we probably have nine people that are the core team now and then we have people that might come and volunteer for a day or two or do a little block of time say for a month or something like that or come for four sessions and help out for four sessions to get a little sense and a feel for it and they kind of like repeat over periods of time so they'll come back and do three days worth and then they'll leave and then they'll come back again two months later and do another four days worth of contribution yeah we need to build our volunteer base here yeah that would be good. And also you were mentioning before about the crowdfunding, just coming up here and choosing to try a bush tucker cookie or something off the amazing menu, that's contributing towards your projects, I mean even just towards keeping this alive and kicking and flourishing as well. If people are in Umundia or in this area, just explain exactly where it is because unless you know it, it's a pretty well kept secret. <laughs> it is, it's the, it's the hidden gem of the Sunshine Coast. Prior to us being here it was a Hare Krishna cafe and that was it for 15 or more years. It's a well-known cafe, for locals especially, but we are a completely new concept. So we're in Yamundi, off the main street. So the main street in Yamundi is called Memorial Drive. And there's three different market precincts at the Yamundi markets. There's the pavilion market where we are, there's the original market, which is the centre, and then there's Yamundi Square. So when you come to Yamundi, if you look for the pavilion markets, that's where we are, and we are in the spirit corner. We're right up in the top left-hand corner of the pavilion markets. It's a great spot, it really is. And as I say, it's just really lovely to have the space away from the hecticness that goes on down there. And to find the culture, really, I mean, although you're in the top left-hand corner, I think you're the heart of the markets. And if people don't make it to you Monday and we're listening down here in the Byron Shire, how can they find out more and get in touch or get involved in any way? Our little tagline is come and spend some time with us because it is such a big story. You know, uh, Liz has been here for a year and here she comes. Hello, Liz. Can you tell us what your role is here and how you got involved? Okay, so I started here back in July last year. This was my social work placement, so I started off doing 500 hours of social work community development, but I've just never left. Why is that? Because it's an incredible space. Also, 
This whole thing is about building up relationships and building connections. So I've built up relationships and connections. I'm a part of that now. And that's the beautiful thing about SevGen is that everybody in that space, it's not so much a service delivery kind of social work role, it's about being. We actually call it justice being. That's why I've continued. Where do you hope to see it going from here? Because it's a busy place and it seems like it's well supported already. We're all volunteers, so the volunteer base can come and go. Um, Today's quite a good day. Yeah, I can just see it building more and more connections. When word gets out there, the dream is it's really beautiful when Indigenous people themselves come in and feel comfortable in this space. We've had that and it's about yarning in this space as well so it's it's beautiful. It's also lovely for people that are interested in learning more about Indigenous culture that don't know very much to be able to come and just immerse themselves in flavours and artwork and food and conversation. It's a real gift to give to the greater community. Oh absolutely and that's what it's all about. I have learned so much every day just through having conversations and interactions with people. For me as a social worker, my way of working is to walk alongside. It is not about being the expert. For me in this space, I actually take a step back and it's just a real beautiful dialogue and relationship building process. You've been taking lots of steps around here today because you're busy delivering all sorts of yummy dishes and food to people and coffees and... Multitasking is part of this thing actually. (laughs) Being on the phone to child safety and chopping onions at the same time is quite important. I just love anything with bush tucker so the, the lemon myrtle ice cream is delicious. We have beautiful little bush tucker bites so we celebrate food when it's in season. So the bush tucker bites are your all-natural probiotic bush tucker. They're like little cherry ripes. They're just beautiful, all-natural. We do lovely zucchini fritters. We've got crocodile, kangaroo sliders and lentil sliders. What's a slider? So like your little mini hamburger, but we use a beautiful brioche bun and we serve it with warrigal greens. They're like the native spinach and they're delicious. And yeah, we just sort of serve some like little tapas burgers if you like. (laughs) We have a foraging concept. So when I first started, I would go around all the market stallholders and if they were throwing out any produce, because we also, it's all about wasting less, we'd bring the produce up and sometimes they deliver it for us, um, which is another way of building community and building connections. They'd leave little boxes given with love. So we'd cook it up make something out of it with love and then take it down and deliver it back to them. People will bring in fruits and vegetables from their gardens. They've got a little bit of surplus, they'll bring it in to us and ask us to cook something up with love and care. And Also, some of the supermarkets will give us produce as well. The Yards Market in Maruchador, I go in there and they will give me boxes of produce. They're very supportive of Sebgen and Deadly. It might have been the first time that a supermarket like that, for example, has focused on giving their waste away because a lot of times it literally just gets thrown in the bin. It's not even available for dumpster divers. So you're connecting way further than, than locally. I mean, it's creating really amazing connections all around. No wonder you haven't left. <laughs> exactly. Well, when I walked up, my first thought was, 
how do we let people know about this? It's, it's a hidden gem. It's a beautiful, nurturing space for people just to come. I can't see myself leaving anytime soon. I think I'll just sit here and eat the cookies and finish this coffee. Yeah, well, I might just have to go and get you more complimentary bush tucker biscotti. <laughs> because you're down in the Byron Shire, we do have a website, just www.sevgen.com.au, where you can get a sense of the essence of Sevgen. Um, we have our social media pages, so on Facebook we have the Sevgen homepage and then we have sub-pages for Deadly Espresso and the Cultural and Creative Showcase that we do. Or you can just search for Deadly Espresso. The crowdfunding is being run through Bendigo Bank, so that's an initiative called Let's Act. Click on it, I think we're the latest project that's on there. We've got 19 days to go to raise the 50000 We've got a $1,500 start. We don't give up until the 11th hour because sometimes it, it takes that. You know, some people could be just sitting waiting. We're a deductible gift recipient charity as well. So with the end of financial year, you can donate to our crowdfunding, which gets a DGR receipt back for it. So you can claim it on your tax. It's not over till the old lady sings, so they say. Where does your ability to be organising all of this kind of thing come from? Or is it just something that is your focus or your calling? Well, I'm a mother of six, so I can do anything. <laughs> to all of you out there, please come and share, spend some time in this space with us. We'd just love to see you here.